Although the characters we discuss are fictional, the challenges people face every day are not. The information we provide in this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only and should not be used in place of advice from a mental health or medical professional. If you are struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Jedi Council Podcast, where we explore mental health in your favorite fictional characters. Hey folks, welcome back to the next episode of the Jedi Council Podcast. This is Brandon Saxton. And Katie Gordon. How are you doing today, Katie? I'm good. This is our 100th episode of Jedi Council Podcast. Let's take a minute and reflect on that. How far we've come. I've talked about this on the show before. Katie and I used to record on my laptop using the voice recorder function, which isn't a real audio software. It's just made to like... If you have like a grocery list, I think. I don't actually know what it's for. <laughs> I would take that sound file, which was very messy, and put it right into Windows Movie Maker. Now, you might be asking yourself, that's not a sound editing software. <laughs> You're right. It's not. So then I would put that into Windows Movie Maker and put just a, a picture on the movie that I was creating for like 20 minutes. And then I would upload that to YouTube. And that's how our podcast started. And it's it's amazing to me that now we have actual RSS feeds and a website and blog posts and a hundred episodes and a side podcast and most importantly of all, so many wonderful people who have taken the time to listen and talk to us about the show and the ideas that uh, we've been working to talk about via the show. Yeah, that's what I've been really most grateful for. I mean, besides just enjoying podcasting you and talking about these issues is connecting with listeners and people through Twitter and people who've read our blog posts and just talking about their ideas and mental health experiences. And that's just been a wonderful, precious experience to me. Oh, absolutely. And as folks who have listened regularly, which there are many of, and and I appreciate all of them, we've uh, been a little bit inconsistent this summer as uh, we had some traveling and then some illness and some unexpected busyness. Um, but we just really appreciate everyone who's taken the time, stuck with the show. Uh, we're getting back into a, kind of more of a structured time again, so we'll be recording regularly again. We've had a few really great guest episodes, and we've got a few more coming up that we think that you'll really enjoy. They're a little bit of a, a break from kind of the usual format of focusing specifically on fictional characters and mental health. But they're a lot of fun because they're really interesting, inspiring, smart folks who have great ideas and are doing important work in other areas that we think is so cool that we just want to share it with you. So we just appreciate everyone who's on along for the ride and has been and, and continues to be as we go for another 100 episodes. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So today uh, we're, we're not digging into as much of kind of the specific mental health as we have in the past, but we're doing more of a celebration episode. And the episode is in inspired by Frasier. We've talked about Frasier on the show many times. We're both huge Frage heads, I think is the, <laughs> the term for Frasier fans. I've heard Frasier files used, okay, Fraser but Frage heads works too. I just made that one up, so let's see TM. if we can get that. Yeah, TM, TM, TM. Um, uh, we, for a while we were doing Frasier Watch as I was working through mm-hmm. the episodes for the first time. I've watched through all Frasier twice now, which is no competition, I think, to mm-hmm. to... Uh, your Fraser expertise, so I'm I'm bringing to bring what I can to the table. But I watch. I've said this on the show before, but yeah. I watch Fraser 
daily. Yeah. I rarely miss a day, mostly because I fall asleep with Fraser on. Yeah. And so, and I've been doing that for at least a few years. Yeah. So. No, it's a great show. That used to be The Office for me, but Frasier's an even better fit. And I think it's because of the dry humor. Yeah. Really lets me just, lulls me to sleep in my bed of cynicism and dry humor. <laughs> um, so a lot like Frasier, when Frasier, who, folks who aren't familiar with the show, you might just want to skip this episode, but Frasier has his own radio show wherein he takes calls from people throughout Seattle and talks to them about uh, problems that they might be facing or mental health issues that they might be having, and he gives them some advice. And so when he has 1,000 episodes of his own show, uh, they have a celebration where the mayor uh, declares it Fraser Crane Day. Uh, there's a public rally at the Space Needle. Uh, Fraser gets into a few little uh, hijinks along the way trying as to get usual. to the rally. As usual, <laughs> Fraser and Niles. So I contacted the mayor of Fargo. Um, they were unwilling to <laughs> say today was Jedi Council Day here in Fargo. So it's an unofficial Jedi Council Day for our 100th episode of that of our our podcast. And it might even actually be just a few over 100 because we have some bonus episodes. But that's beside the point. It's the 100 episodes. Um, <laughs> the 100th released episode. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we're just going to dig into Frasier today. So, we are. And I will say this is... We're recording in a different location than usual. Yeah. We are recording... And my husband's table where he paints minis, which has been his kind of thing that he does to relax at night. I know other mm -hmm. people on Twitter and listeners have, have talked about that a little bit before. He's also got a variety of Dungeons and Dragons mm -hmm. dice and paint mm -hmm. and old versions of the game yeah. and books. So it's really a good setting for Jedi Council. Mm -hmm. An enormous D20. Let's see how yeah. good this episode's going to be. Right there. Uh-oh. Won't tell you what it says. Nope. Not great. <laughs> Just say it's on the low end. Yeah. And Brandon is in his his uh, Dungeon Master chair from oh, when yeah, we played that's right. our first campaign. Yeah, uh, Curse of Strahd. I sat in the very chair I'm sitting in now uh, for every game. And I have to admit, when I sat down here, I felt a little bit of a power trip. I've, I felt like I was really running the show. Again, uh, I was dictating reality, as it were. So. No, it's a lot of fun. So, Katie, tell me about Frasier. When did you get into it? Where did you get started? And what do you like about it? My parents, I think, watched Cheers okay. when I was younger, which is when Frasier's character is introduced, and mm -hmm. Lilith. And as I've mentioned before, my father is a therapist, so... I was, I thought the psychology humor was already, it was something that was kind of something that happened in my family anyway. And so I think that I liked that about Fraser and Lilith, that they would make little jokes about behaviorism and Freud mm -hmm. and little, you know, experiments and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So I really enjoyed that. But then in grad school, I think Fraser reruns were on and I would watch that with my roommate at the time and that that was really fun and then it was on netflix and i just started watching it daily <laughs> and, and i think that the the situational comedy that kind of resembles like a, a farce in a play you know where people if they just talked about one little miscommunication or misunderstanding like there would be no show but they don't talk about those things, so it's very funny. The actors are incredible. I, I like that 
Daphne and Roz get a lot of laughs along with Marty and, and Fraser and Niles. And so that's all very good. And it has like lots of good one-liner things, but they're also like, there's good psych and mental health humor. Oh, and it's sure. hard for me to believe that all of those hours and hours of my watching Fraser didn't influence my decision or propensity to have this podcast with you where we talk about psychology because, you know, if Frasier was taking place now, it would probably be a podcast. It oh, probably sure. wouldn't be a radio show. And in fact, I've thought a lot about that because I thought it would be maybe fun someday to do a Frasier type episode where we took questions like that. But the problem, of course, is, and this is something that you notice on the show, there's some ethical issues related to dispensing what is essentially actual medical advice through this kind of media, um, which... Frazier, uh, you know, he, I don't know, he, he definitely runs into some, to some just clear ethical violations from time to time, but I, I just couldn't think about how could you actually do that in a podcast because that relationship is hard for me to imagine because it, it, it's, it's very specific professional advice that's pretty much uncontrolled, you know? Yeah. That making sense? Yeah. He must have some, some legal disclaimer oh, somewhere sure, in there. Yeah. You know, one thing I did notice in one of the shows, since I've seen them all 4,000 times, <laughs> is that he sometimes does refer out, like he'll ask someone yeah. to stay on the line until Roz That's refers them out. Point, yeah. The callers are often other famous actors and actresses, which I think is another funny part of the show. But the other thing is, so as we know, sometimes when you have someone giving advice in that mm. format, like you said, there are some ethical concerns. And also, one of the things, I mean, we see this, and Frasier is there can be conflicts of interest. For example, like super interesting or dramatic stories could be exploitative by mm -hmm. having them on the radio, but they're also good for ratings. And mm -hmm. so like one time when Roz is, it's, they're trying to get better ratings. She's trying to convince people that their problems are worse. And so yeah. the show seems aware of that. And certainly one of the most obvious ways is that Niles frequently kind of teases Frasier about like not being a real psychiatrist. Yeah. And so. I think that I like that they actually, I mean, part of it is because of their rivalry and their yes. competition, but I do think part of it too is like some awareness that this is different than practicing yeah. as a psychotherapist. That's a good point. And I imagine we we never like actually get to listen to a full segment of Fraser's show. Maybe just like we have here on Jedi Council, there's a little blurb at the beginning that maybe it's more for entertainment. And another thing to kind of note about the show is it seems like, uh, a, a lot of the callers, at least, or maybe several of them, are, the problems are related to interpersonal kind of things more than specific mental health problems, too. That's not universally true, but... No, that... Yeah, you're right. Sometimes it's more of a significant mental health problem, whereas other times it's... Well, one thing... One time where he did have this kind of ethical breach, but again, what's nice about the show is they talked about this issue, is that they have that guy Marco call, mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's played by... The guy who's in When Harry Met Sally. Um, but he basically is talking about his girlfriend. I think Fraser advises him to break up yes. with his girlfriend. And then the girlfriend shows up. And yeah. then Fraser starts dating her. Mm -hmm. And, like, ultimately his conscience is really strong. And, yeah. I mean, it's a little late. He still should have dated her since <laughs> yeah. there's a problem with telling someone to break mm -hmm. up with someone and then dating that person. Um, but they do talk about it, at least mm -hmm. in the show. And clearly the boundaries are different when you're primarily doing mental health stuff for entertainment versus you're in practice. Oh, and yeah. when Fraser actually goes into practice with Niles, they touch on that too. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of like that they do that. That's solid. Um, 
And you have recently, you're on a second watching? Uh, yes. Or yep, no, nope, okay. I am, I am, I'm towards my second, uh, watching through. Frasier, I don't, I watched some Cheers when I was younger. Um, and then I never watched Frasier. You suggested it, of course, um, a number, great number of times. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> Several <kidding>. million. <laughs> and, uh, of course, I, right away I was hooked. It matches my style of humor in a pretty big way, which is usually pretty deadpan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I also, I think I mentioned this to you, like, pretty early on I was watching. It has just enough, like, psych jargon in that makes it pretty fun for someone with some psychology training uh, that is really enjoyable. Um, also, I really, I mean, the characters are so likable. Like, uh, Frasier is just, he does some bad things sometimes. Yes. But he's genuinely a very good person, I believe. And there's a few times even, too, where, like, he touches upon things like he believes inherently that people are good too. And that's a, I think that's really important. And I, I tend to be a little bit cynical sometimes. So I think that's something like admirable, like having like, like a good faith in humanity. I think that's something to, to strive for, for myself. So there's a lot of things I, that are really likable about the characters. And I think the show is just, it's almost inexplicably funny uh, for me. It's There aren't many shows that make me bust out laughing out loud, but this is one for sure. So. Yeah, it's definitely... Their team of writers is is very, very good. And I, the other thing that I, I like is that kind of the the center relationship in it is between Frasier and his dad. Yeah. There are other relationships, of course, oh, and sure. as it becomes, you know, you get Niles and Daphne and all of that, that those, those types of relationships too. But it's nice that there's a real family element and some of the struggles of an older dad coming back to live with his yeah. son, who's been through these difficult times and they have different personalities, but they love each other. And so like that part, there's a relatable, very sweet part to that, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, it is. It's really nice to see during the course of the series how that relationship changes, because it is a little bit tumultuous at first. Um, but then, really, Martin and, and Fraser really grow um, together. And then, it's later on, you probably remember this, well, you certainly remember this more specifically than me, there's an episode that shows a flashback back towards that time period where this relationship really was a lot more tumultuous. And uh, it made me sad again because yeah. I, I felt so positive about the growth and, and how close they were, even though they still have these conflicted personalities, but they really are so close at this point that it really made an impact on me as to how much character development there was that I was hit that strongly, um, being flashback to a time when Fraser and Martin really weren't getting along as well. Yeah, and it, it kind of shows, suggests that, you know, Fraser and Niles are more like their mother was and that maybe um you know obviously marty got along well with their mother and so like that she was kind of the glue that that kept them together and then relearning their relationships especially at a big time of change marty of course is out of the police force because he was shot and Mm -hmm. injured and he doesn't like having to depend on others but he also likes things a specific way and then fraser of course is dealing with being away from his son who's all the way in boston after a divorce, who had a suicide attempt, although he kind of describes it as his intention is not totally clear, but he mm-hmm. describes that in an episode. And so he's dealing with those types of issues. And then Niles, as you go along, I mean, each of them have these serious issues, but of course, most of it's put in a funny frame with, yeah. with sweet things. I mean, Roz becoming a mom, uh, Daphne kind of coming into her own, you know, and um, being more 
demanding about the things that she gets as as she is their home health care worker or whatever they call her. They yeah. Call her a couple different things. Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing that I thought might be a little bit interesting to maybe just brush upon is the difference between psychiatrist and psychologist. Yeah, that's it, a great idea. It's still my perception that a lot of people outside of those fields, um, understandably so, don't totally understand the differences between those two fields. Even just for example, I just got back to Fargo yesterday from a road trip. And my own father, who has asked me many questions about psychology during my training, uh, asked me just yesterday, so w w during your internship that you're about to start, will you be able to prescribe pills for people? And I explained, no, that, that won't be a part of my internship, nor really probably, well, almost 100%, certainly a part of my career ever. And so it got me thinking, even someone who has a, a child who's training to be a psychologist doesn't totally understand, so maybe just touching upon it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a great idea. I mean, the main thing, of course, psychiatrists go to medical school and are medical doctors, and mm -hmm. psychologists get PhDs or PsyD degrees, mm -hmm. and the the... The main difference, you know, it's interesting because, of course, there are various times psychologists who have pushed for prescription mm -hmm. privileges, but the model of training is is very different. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of the psychology training, there's much more in-depth training in therapy and research, whereas in psychiatry, from my understanding, is that it's more follows a course of typical uh, medical doctor and then there's specialized training afterwards mm -hmm. where they learn a little bit more about therapy and go beyond having psych rotations. Yeah, that was a perfect way to sum it up, I think. Yeah. And I, I can maybe link to Mitch Prinstein's yeah. guide about deciding which grad school or career to pursue. And, and that would be useful to, cause I think he goes into more details about differences yeah. between different pathways. I had forgotten about that guy. That's a great idea for sure. So I, I thought that was just maybe something quickly to touch upon. Of course, the difference between the training that, that Katie and I have versus, um, Frazier and Niles. Yeah. They really, and, and they go back and forth with that on a lot of shows, including in this one. Oh, so sure. sometimes it's not totally clear. One thing that is interesting is they do talk about theoretical orientations. It does seem like Fraser is pretty clearly Freudian. Yes. That that Niles is is pretty Jungian, yeah. and that Lilith, I would say her orientation is probably closer to ours than anyone yes. else's, which is a, a behavior therapy. Mm -hmm. I mean, one time they have a caller talk about actually it sounds like binge eating, mm -hmm. and so. So Fraser's perspective is kind of talking from, you know, unsatiated, unconscious desires. And she's like, no, it's a simple behavioral problem. You have to retrain your mm -hmm. habits. It is interesting that she's depicted as like the most cold. Yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Them. That that sort of sort of does fit into kind of the stereotype of, you know, the cognitive behavioral kind of approach to therapy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I didn't really think of that or make that connection. Yeah, but she her there's that's another character in her own right that is very very funny so one thing we talked about is maybe just going through the different characters and talking about psychological aspects and mental health um one thing i do want to mention is i did ask on twitter what people's favorite episodes were and we had verma underscore 30 say that the one where fraser tries to set Daphne up with his new station manager and that's one of their very typical kind of misunderstanding mm -hmm. funny episodes the station manager thinks that Fraser's asking him out mm -hmm. on a date. Daphne thinks that he's there for her. And 
mishaps ensue yeah, from that point funny. on. Um, and then someone just put in this one line, which I just love, which is, Oh, you are so that other one. <laughs> and that's when I think that, I think this is from when Fraser and Niles are listening to a voicemail. Or I think it's yeah, an answering machine. It is. And the people haven't hung up and they're talking about them and they're like, you know how it is. There's always that one and you'll always see the other one. <laughs> yeah. And then they argue over who the other one is. Yeah. Like that's some kind of meaningful distinction. <laughs> I think they were calling to set up one of their dinner parties dinner or party, whatever, yes. one of their classic dinner parties. And so I like that. I also asked my family members who also like Frasier and they named some good ones. The Valentine's Day one where Niles does a lot of slapstick. Like, I think he cuts his finger and faints, and there's a fire involved. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's the one where they go to Maris's house to have, like, a fancy yes. dinner, but there's a dead seal yeah. in the back, which is, like... It's it's just perfect because it's like Kevin Smith said this. Kevin Smith said he he didn't want to watch Frasier and his wife was watching it and she's like, no, sit down and watch it. And he didn't want to watch it because he thought it was snobby. He thought it was like the New Yorker cartoon that he wouldn't get. But he's like, oh no, it's making pointing like making fun of their arrogance yes. and their snobbiness. And so this is a perfect example where they have this like beautiful fancy dinner plan, but like there's a dead seal and they're trying to get rid of it. So they call and ask for tips, I think, about how to get rid of the seal, but they they throw it in the ocean, but it yeah. floats. <laughs> so they poke holes in it. <laughs> it's really bad. It's really good. <laughs> and I'm sorry if that is not nice to talk about a dead animal that way. There's the fraternal twins where they learn to ride a bike. That's and... <laughs> one of the best ones. Doesn't Fraser crash into the same tree like four or five times? It does. And Niles, I think, says... You know, it's been years, and people would say it's just like riding a bike, and we've never understood what that saying <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> meant. Right. Um, let's see, they, where they find the skull in their old house, which you said was yeah, one of your favorites. Yeah, that's a personal favorite. I love the Crane Boys mysteries when they're both wearing all black and like turtlenecks <laughs> and kind of fancy themselves detectives, and then uh, get someone arrested, and then it turns out it was actually just an old skull from a play. <laughs> That's right. They really, they really go because they get, they get so swept up in their own cleverness. Yeah, <laughs> and they're um, the one that where Fraser writes a jingle for a show, and they just want something simple, and he hires a whole orchestra. <laughs> and I think this is where his line is that someone says less is more, and he's like, "Well, if less is more, then think of how much more more could be, <laughs> or something yeah. like that." Yeah. And then the antique road show is good. They bond yeah. over the veneer. And Star Mitzvah is great because um, Noel is angry at Fraser for not getting his signed Star Trek thing from Scott Bakula, yeah. I believe. And so it's kind of, it's actually pretty mean, but in, he, he offers to teach Fraser because it's his son's, Frederick's bar mitzvah, and he offers to like teach him some Hebrew so that he can surprise Frederick and do this nice, like, Hebrew speech, it's very touching, but instead, Noel teaches him in Klingon, <laughs> and so he goes to the bar mitzvah, and he speaks in Klingon, and it's embarrassing, along with everything else that's embarrassing in it, although it, it is, it does end up being cute, because one of Frederick's friends, like, I understand Klingon, and what he said was really sweet, <laughs> so it's really hard to go wrong with these. 
Can I divert back to the Crane Boys of course. mysteries really quick? <laughs> yes, please. I, there's a Wikipedia page for the Crane Boys <laughs> mysteries. I'm going to read the description and then some of the specific mysteries. Okay. They are named. <laughs> the Crane Boys mysteries was a series of crime fiction stories written by Fraser and Niles Crane when they were young. The stories have been mentioned in a number of episodes. Altogether, they wrote 34 stories together. The main characters, based on themselves, were two plucky lads who used their knowledge of psychology to solve mysteries presented to them by their detective father, based on Martin. <laughs> and here's some of the named stories. The Mystery of the One-Eared Monkey. <laughs> on Your Mark, Get Set, Die. <laughs> the Unhappy Landing, which there's a note, the victim was pushed down a flight of stairs. The Suspicious Six-Pack, there's a note for this one, uh, Martin was kidnapped and the only clue left behind is a dented Valentine can. And then my favorite of all, Top Truths for Teen Sleuths, a Crane Boys Mysteries workbook, uh, where in which item number one is, a case is rare, rarely elementary but always evidentiary. <laughs> and that is just one of my favorite things I've ever heard, is that as children they wrote a workbook for the people who read their series of novels. It's so them. Yeah, it it's, really It's is. really them. I, I enjoy that. That's good. Um, <laughs> so... Any other episodes jump out? I mean, they're I, all good. They're all good, but mm -hmm. yeah, those, those ones really stand out as some of the funniest. The, the last one I can think of, just because it reminds me of myself in a, a, mm -hmm. a big way, because I tend to be kind of stubborn and hard-headed about certain things, is the episode where Frasier goes through, like, a parking toll, and then yes. he, like... I don't remember the exact circumstance of what happens, but he refuses to, like, pay more money and just parks his car and, like, will not move, and it's very funny. No, that's good. I actually, I've used that in a dialectical behavior therapy group before when we talked about, like, doing the skill of doing what works. And basically, yeah. Frazier, I think because he just turns around and doesn't park, doesn't want to pay it. Right. But he's actually making himself late and making it yeah. much worse by sitting there. And I think he ends up getting charged more because yeah. he's in the parking lot for a longer period of time. <laughs> and then I think like the the attendant even offers to pay it at one point just so he'll move. And he even refuses that. He's like, yeah. no, this is my principle. So anyway, he's not doing what works. No, that stands out. But there's a lot of funny ones, of course. So maybe we should just go through the main characters and yeah. talk about what we think. Maybe we should start with Frasier. Yeah. I, I think... You know, I think that he's obviously got some arrogant features. I oh, don't, for sure. I don't think it's to the point of a of a personality problem. Personally, so it doesn't get into that narcissism kind of range. I no, think. I mean, there's some. I mean, he is in some ways. I mean, he is obviously quite intelligent. Through most of the series, he's pretty successful. And he's a little bit snobby, but he's he's kind and loving to his friends and family oh, members, yeah. even if he annoys them, yeah. right? Because of how he is, and he, I think that after a breakup, he starts asking for feedback from his family members, and they're kind of slow to get feedback because they don't want to insult yeah. him and upset him. But then they get on a roll and they just start. Yeah. They're like pretentious, yeah. um, talks too much, and like they go on this whole thing. I think that. Around season six or so, he does experience a depressive episode mm -hmm. where the other people are very concerned about him. Mm -hmm. um, he's kind of lost his motivation, and he's, you know, sitting around with that. We do see him struggle at different times with, you know, not being with Frederick, which is mm -hmm. understandable. And I think... You know, I, I guess someone could say he he does seem to have romantic relationship problems. Yeah. I don't know if it's more of for a humor thing. Yeah. Like, it's just, I mean, he's been married three times. I guess one thing they talk about his personality is this idea, at least with uh, Diane, his second wife, 
of rescuing her and trying mm-hmm. to save her and wanting to feel again that's not like a diagnosis or something like right. that but it's just we see that come out in a few different ways he does seem to try to learn from his past mm-hmm. mistakes though but you know so he's married three times and then dates a lot of different people I do, it's, I mean, that is a big part of the show, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He also has a little bit of, like, rigidity about, like, how things are organized. Like, he he does seem to be pretty distressed, like, when things are even, like, turned on a shelf the wrong way. Askew, askew. Exactly. That's how you do it, Daphne. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, to the point where, yeah, I think he is experiencing genuine distress about those things. So that's another thing that you sort of notice. <laughs> he show. really challenges himself when with his dad's chair. Yeah. And I and his dad I love like right in the pilot episode, it's very strong. He's like he's like, None of your stuff matches, Marty says this and and then he's like, you know, Fraser's like, It's a new style, it's called eclectic and then so Marty like pushes back on that. Well this chair is eclectic, so it kind of fits in with everything. And so yeah, you can see you're right, he likes things a certain way. I mean, even like when he's pranked doing a like having a bath he has like rose tips and whatever like things are a certain way and it actually he becomes more that way over time because it seems like in the flashback episode like you're talking about he meets up with niles they run into each other and he's kind of laughs at niles high maintenance coffee Mm -hmm. order you know so it's almost like he becomes more in that direction with niles i actually read a pretty interesting uh article about fraser where they describe how he kind of goes the other direction in cheers Mm -hmm. where he really kind of loosens up and he's watching kind of monster movies and and having fun and maybe drinking beer and then he does really return to form in fraser in a pretty big way i think Mm -hmm. yeah they, well, they become, you know, they join the opera guild, yeah. and they're in the the, the wine, wine club, club. Mm-hmm. and and everything. Um, so so yeah, I think those are the the main things with him. The only, if I had to say, diagnosable would be that time when he's really depressed. Yeah, and absolutely. Then obviously, some relationship issues, but he openly talks about them and has dreams about them, mm-hmm. and like you know, kind of works through those things. And actually, he and Lilith, all things being said, I think do pretty good at their Mm co-parenting even you know and they're both part of it's probably their personality too but they have some sweet moments and and some things that come up but i like when they're trying to get frederick into that school they really want they kind of work together oh big time yeah not successfully no (laughs) (laughs) they really blow it which is very funny but um so yeah i would say that uh niles was selected from our twitter poll as the favorite character yeah and he's definitely one of my favorite characters. I mean, he has some, he clearly has adjustment issues mm. following his divorce from Maris, even though there are some dysfunctional parts of that relationship. Oh, yeah. And he's in love with someone else during a good portion of their relationship. But he, I think you could say, has some obsessive compulsive disorder yeah. symptoms with regard to hygiene, cleanliness, being touched. Having things, oh yeah, you know. definitely wiping off chairs mm-hmm. or things like that before he'll sit down and things related to that for sure. Yeah. To the point where even I think he's doing an intake with a client who is very worried about germs and cleanliness, and Niles is like, "Oh, nothing's wrong with that." Like he can't even yeah. see that. So, what else about Niles should we say? Um, I'm not sure. I think that covers Niles fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He is definitely one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he, I think too. he is my favorite. I really do like Niles. He's very funny. So then we have Roz, who is an outstanding 
character and she's i think a feminist character mm-hmm. in that she's you know she dates different men it's just you know Fraser teases her about that and stuff like that but it's not it's not viewed as like in a shaming or judgmental way no she asserts her worth when Fraser is like you know a skilled cockatoo with a sharp beak could do the same thing you do and she's like okay i'm leaving Mm -hmm. and so those types of things are where you really see it and then she has i think one of the more interesting developments is when she's dating that man who's a garbage man basically Mm -hmm. and she confronts a lot of her biases and she really likes him but she's concerned when other people are just asking what does he do and so she I think has to reckon with that a little bit. And ultimately I think that plays a big role in them not working out. He, cause he leaves during that dinner party, right? Because he kind of catches on that she's embarrassed about his work. And then he leaves. If I'm remembering that. Yeah, yeah. Which is really sad. Oh, he's it was, a super, yeah. super nice guy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Roz, very funny, very interesting. Definitely has her struggles. And I like that she becomes a mom because I think it really, makes her character more complex and mm-hmm. actually one of the sweetest moments in the series i know i've said this about a lot so obviously i love the show is when she starts freaking out because she fraser's over she gives him she's pregnant she gives him milk from the fridge and it's expired and he goes oh it's expired and she goes how am i going to be a mom she kind of has this anxiety that's like I can't even keep the right milk in my refrigerator. And then Fraser's like, don't worry, they don't drink milk until they're a year old. Anyway, they either have formula or they nurse or whatever. And she's like, I didn't even know that. How am I going to handle that? And so then he goes into this speech that's really beautiful. He's like, what they don't tell you about being a parent is you don't just love your kids. You fall in love with them. You think about them all the time and you're going to make mistakes, but they're the most important things. And you just are really able to nurture and care for them. And he's so convincing to her that it decreases her anxiety and so it shows their nice relationship and of course she's been there for him a lot too mm-hmm. so yeah absolutely it's sweet that is sweet mm-hmm. all right who's next daphne interesting psychic believe she's psychic yeah and this is another actually pretty sweet moment pretty late in the series niles hires a psychologist someone to come out and kind of test daphne to see mm-hmm. if she actually does have some uh, pre like kind of some psychic abilities basically, and then Niles, right when they're about to find the results, says, "You know, I don't want to know. It's enough for me that she believes she is, and that's okay." And I thought that was a really nice moment, too, where you know someone who, like Niles, is very uh, scientific-minded and and rooted in kind of his own worldview, was able to put that aside for his relationship with Daphne. I thought that was really nice. Yeah, I think I. I think so, too, because especially given his rigidity and that this has been a source of tension, he just decides, like, this is not, it's not worth it. Yeah. Which I think is good couple advice. Oh, absolutely. You know? And Eddie is another favorite character yep. of people. Seems like a good dog. Yep. Good, nice dog. <laughs> I Maybe this is too sad to ask. I wonder if that's the same dog throughout the whole series, because it's a long show. I don't think it is. I I think it's Moose is a real dog's name, and then I think that maybe Moose is replaced. Which makes sense. Dogs. No, wait. Moose was in 193 episodes. It's always Moose. It's 11 seasons, though. How can that possibly be true? That's pretty (laughs) amazing, then. Well done, Moose. It says, yeah, Moose, 193 episodes. Um, Marty? Uh, Marty's generally pretty good. 
I'm thinking about Marty's mental health, and it's... Unless I'm missing something or forgetting about Marty, relatively stable. Yeah, he seems to have some understandable difficulty transitioning to not being as independent. Yep. He clearly appropriately grieves for his wife. Mm-hmm. And actually, those are some really nice episodes, too, where he'll date again, and mm-hmm. then he starts to feel unsure about mm-hmm. telling someone that he loves them and kind mm-hmm. of freaking out about that. So his relationships, I think, are are well done, too, or well depicted. My favorite Marty moment of the whole series is when Frasier... Oh, I think it's just Niles actually buys him the... It's like an old police horse, I think. Yes. Um, and then Niles gives Frasier credit as well, even though Frasier didn't... They kind of have their own competition right now, but... Marty is doesn't really seem to like it right away. Well, and then as we come to find out, uh, Marty just realizes that the horse has gotten pretty old, and then that kind of helps him, or it dawns on him that he's aged as well. And they he has a really nice conversation with this horse, and it, it's really sweet. Yeah. So that's another nice theme that it has in the show is the aging and different yeah. periods of life, which mm-hmm. I think is. That's where it does, even though there are like lots of funny one-liners and just funny slapstick type <laughs> situations and the far stuff, there's also, there are these really sweet moments. And like, I always find the character sympathetic. Even um, the, his agent, yeah. Phoebe. <laughs> yeah. She's... <laughs> Which is not weird that she has the same first name as the actress who plays Lilith. I mean, that seems too odd for it to be a coincidence, but... Well, that is kind of interesting. But, um... She's so funny. I like her, even though she's a horrible, she's horrible person. And like, she represents Doctor Phil, and yeah, Doctor Phil's right. on the show. I forgot like, about that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yes. She's yeah. really. She's evil, but she's funny. And then there are just other people like Bulldog and Gil Chesterton. Like they're just a, just a lot of really interesting, fun characters. What do you there. think about Maris's mental health? I think that Maris. Actually, and this reminds me of something I didn't mention with Daphne. Yeah. Um, she has... So, actually, in real life, she was pregnant, but yes. they made the character as though she was putting on weight yeah. and gaining weight. And it seemed almost like she had symptoms of binge eating disorder mm-hmm. because they had her basically eating a lot of food. It seemed like there was a sense of being out of control, hiding food and things like that. She went away for treatment with a therapist, which actually was resulted in more tension between Niles and Daphne where the suggestion was that Niles was idealizing Daphne and not and she was scared to be herself and afraid Mm -hmm. of intimacy and that I guess this is where they put a little bit of a Freudian slant that she was kind of like channeling this into as a defense mechanism eating and stuff like that and Niles made fun of the therapist he didn't Mm -hmm. like that opinion and all this stuff but it ends up leading to a good place so she seems to have binge eating problems Mm -hmm. in that of course like i said in real life she was pregnant so that leads us to maris who clearly has an eating disorder and this is if i had to pick something i didn't like about the show of course there are some things i don't like about the show one of them is that maris is it's a negative depiction of someone with an eating disorder i mean she's obviously never you never actually see her in the show but it's clear that she has anorexia, and mm-hmm. it seems like later she might have binge eating yep. disorder. 
later on in the series. And so, but the way they talk about her and that they joke about her being so underweight mm-hmm. and like a very vain and superficial person, that's obviously a very harmful way to depict someone suffering from anorexia. And it's inaccurate. Yeah. But it's used as a source of humor. And yeah. so that would be, that's one thing from a mental health perspective that stands out to me. Yeah, absolutely. And she doesn't really get treatment for it that I can recall. That's not even a, like a discussion, just kind of known that she doesn't yeah. eat. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the repeated thing. She doesn't eat and she's has all these negative personality characteristics mm-hmm. that kind of also appear. She does go to therapy with Niles when for marriage, mm-hmm. and then she ends up having an affair with the therapist, which of course is horribly unethical. Mm-hmm. And you really see Niles at that point show his emotions mm-hmm. and lose it and be very upset because he obviously loves something about Maris. Yeah. And just in case anyone hasn't seen Frasier, Maris is never depicted in the show. No, you never see her and which is a very interesting oh, yeah. idea. I like that she's always like she's busy doing something yep. or she's whatever it is. I like that they kept that up through the show. I Me think too. that's an interesting I think it idea. would have been disappointing had they shown her at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah, I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. Any other main characters so. that covers missing? The, the main ones, I think. Yeah, I think a lot of the things that they struggle with are just kind of life stressors oh, sure. that happen. There's um, Kenny, who's at one time their boss at the at at uh, their news or at whatever their radio station, and he's having some troubles with his wife and Frazier becomes his therapist, which you can't really do yeah, because they have a previous existing relationship, but there is some interesting, he's trying to get this like deep Freudian insight and Marty's like, why don't you just go out and have fun and like a more behavioral activation perspective. Mm-hmm. And they have this back and forth and Frazier finds out that his dad actually has some negative stigmatizing views of therapy. Mm-hmm. And through that discussion, this is, I guess another thing that I like through their conflict, they often, it's resolved in a satisfying way in that Frazier takes a step back and he's like, maybe I don't need to spend so much time on these abstract things when helping people. Maybe sometimes it's the simple things like doing something fun with a friend. And Marty has an appreciation for what Frazier does, that it's not just someone who's letting you vent to them and then giving you advice or insight. Mm-hmm. It's actually a skill set that he yeah, has. Absolutely. I like that. Okay, um, anything else about Frasier? I don't think so. Just a great show. Yeah. Uh, I, I really, I do recommend it. I think it's a lot of fun. It's a feel-good show. Um, I mean, it, it really, for me, it replaced The Office, which was a really popular show. as kind of my standby show that I turn on. Yeah, I agree. As you know, I couldn't, <laughs> I really, <laughs> I really watch it daily. Yeah, so for sure. I'm, I'm a huge fan. All right, well, maybe we'll wrap up there then and and just say again, thanks for listening in for Jedi Council Day 100th episode. Uh, And thanks for listening to us every week and and interacting with us on Twitter and reading our blog posts and everything else that we do. And uh, we'll just look forward to keeping on putting these episodes out for another another 100. Yeah. At least. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, thanks so much, and uh, you'll hear from us again next week. And we're wishing you good mental health. Thank you for listening to the Jedi Council Podcast, a member of the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. You can find more information about our podcast or blog at www.jedi-council.com. If you would like to support the Jedi Council Podcast, 
please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Jedi Council. The views expressed on this podcast are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers. Additionally, this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only and should not be used in place of advice from a mental health or medical professional. If you're struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help.